Hello and welcome to Podcast 109 of Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson is not around, not here. You're asking, what's going on? What's happening? Well, the good news is he is a father yet again. A baby boy born on the 27th of September, 9.42 a.m., 8 pounds, wow, 1 ounces, 20 inches long, and everyone's doing fine, doing well. So I stepped up to the plate and said, hey, let me do the podcast, let me take care of it. Let's teach you some things that you're wanting to hear every week, because we don't want to stop, we want to keep going, because every week you add a tool, you get a little better, your income and your success increases. So I'm going to do an article, and I'm not going to play in that lame Urkel sound that Steve loves so much. Here's a new sound. Let me know if you like that. Send us an email at maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. Let me know if you like this new sound better. I'm going to use it since Steve's not here. Here is the sound. Again, let me know if you like it. Here is the article. So this article is actually a reprint in the Harvard Business Review. One of my favorite authors, Dr. Goldman, talks about what makes a leader. Now, he's the guy who came up with emotional intelligence, emotional IQ, or what he calls EQ, realizing that your success in life and business is not about your IQ or your intelligence, it's all about your EQ. So what he talks about is we need to find that ideal leader people come up with, you know, intelligence and toughness, determination and vision, and those are important, but again, that emotional intelligence is the critical thing. He's done studies and subsequent studies that reveal this, and I believe this 100% with my studies and what I've done in the books that I've written, that this is true, this is important. Again, IQ is there. It's probably about 15% of your success according to the studies, but it's that emotional intelligence, that self-awareness, the self-regulation, motivation, empathy, social skills that are critical to your success, that emotional intelligence, understanding people, reading people, reading emotions, understanding emotions, dealing with emotions is critical not only to a leader, but anybody that wants to be successful in persuasion, influence, charisma, leadership. When you look at successful people, top leaders, persuaders, top influential people, these skills always show up. And the key factor in what I want to bring up, just as this review, is that these skills can be learned. When I was studying charisma and charismatic leaders, the reason I did that is because people want to know what is the most important trait of influential people, and it's charisma, because people want to be around you, they want to be influenced by you, but some people default to the saying, well, it can't be learned. Well, It can be learned. It must be learned. Well, they're born with it. Well, that's not true either. They weren't born with it. You weren't born with sales skills. You weren't born with anything. Everything was learned. Okay? You might have some talents and skills you picked up along the way, but these are all learned. You cannot see a newborn baby that has all these skills. They've always been learned. They've been nurtured, so you can do that too. So let me remind you of that list, that critical factor for success that Dr. Goldman came up with. In his book, Emotional Intelligence, those are self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. Critical for your success. Want to put it out there. Want you to review that because it's important for what you're able to do. All right, next, and I'm feeling lonely here without Steve to keep me on track, is I want to pull from the University of Persuasion. And if you haven't gone there and reserved your free membership, there's silver and gold membership. There's different levels. That's at universityofpersuasion.com. Go there. This is a plug. I'm going to pull from one of the videos there called The Illusion of Resistance. Now, obviously, it's not going to be a video on the podcast. I'll just have the audio going. But this is a powerful tool and technique, realizing that when you go into a persuasive situation, there's the illusion of resistance. A lot of times what you think is resistance is not resistance. A lot of times when you're expecting resistance, it creates resistance. 
those are key factors. So let's go into that training audio that'll really help you out to take you to the next step. The illusion of resistance. You think they're not interested. You think they're saying no. The question of the day is, do you create your own no? Are you sabotaging your success? Let me give you a few tools that will dramatically change your ability to influence and read other people. This is what you need to understand. Your mind might play tricks on you. Are they really saying no with their bodies or their questions? Are you assuming the worst? Are you sabotaging yourself? I've seen it too many times in a sales situation where the persuader or the salesperson will shake their head in the no fashion and say, you wouldn't be interested, would you? So we have a lot of challenges with that to where it was the question, shaking of the head, the inflection of the voice, of course they won't be interested. We have to be careful what we see, and sometimes when we become naturally pessimistic, we think we're seeing things, but we're not really seeing things. They were interested, but you talked them out of it because you're creating that resistance for them. Sometimes we even call this self-negotiation. When I monitor negotiations, I see people, well, how about 10%? And then there's silence. Oh, no, there's silence. Maybe that means they're not interested. Okay, about 9%. Oh, no, no, they're still silent. How about 8%? <laughs> and you go all the way down to 5%. You're negotiating with yourself. You're sabotaging yourself because you think that silence is an illusion of resistance. They were ready to go at 10%, but they went to a good negotiation training, and they know that a lot of times silence with a rookie will cause them to negotiate with themselves. So let's get into this so you don't sabotage yourself and you don't create your own resistance. You don't create the oh no. They might be ready to go, but when you sabotage yourself, it really hurts your ability to influence. So let's talk about your imagination a little bit. Where does this imagination come from? Is it past experience? Yeah. Is it your attitude? Sure. Maybe it's part of your willpower, your personality type, how you were trained. But there's a few areas we can work on right now so you do not create that no. You do not have that illusion of resistance. First one we'll be talking about today is self-perception bias. How we see what we expect to see. We see what we want to see. We hear what we want to hear. We're going to talk about attention spans, both yours and the prospects. We're going to get into nonverbal behavior because... Sometimes when they do something and all of a sudden like, oh no, that means this, that might not be true. And we're going to go over expectations, your expectations, their expectations, because that's all part of your imagination and expecting to see what you think you're going to see. So let's go through these and talk about how these work. The first one is self-perception bias. Remember I said you see what you want to see. You see things different than the person that you're talking to. We all see things in a different way. When 10 people see an accident, you'll have 10 different versions. It's just how our brain works. The brain will play tricks on you. If you go in there thinking, oh, they won't be interested, it's not going to happen, that's what you're going to see. I mean, countless studies have been done on self-perception bias. Your brain is not a hard drive to where every time you recall something, it's the same. It changes a little bit. For example, 92% of all managers will rate their managerial skills above average. 85% of high school seniors will rate their driving skills above average. 90% of people will rate their people skills above average because we have this self-perception bias. Go to a football game. As a neutral party, go to a football game, you'll just be amazed. The one side will say, oh, great hit. The other side will say, cheap shot. And in their mind, that is what they saw. 
You tell patients that are recovering from surgery, oh, it's just going to take two weeks. You tell another one at two days, there's a big difference in recovery. You give somebody decaffeinated coffee and they say it's caffeinated, it has a lot of caffeine, they feel more energetic. You show somebody a horoscope and if it says good things about them, they'll believe it. Now the interesting thing there, if it says negative things, they won't believe it, but that's our perception bias. And that's what people see. So when you go in these situations, you have to be very careful of your self-perception bias and what's happening. Another example that's really interesting, as we talked about you know, the football fans, they see what they want to see, the ability to recover from surgery, the decaffeinated coffee, and the horoscopes. But one of my favorite ones that we talk about self-perception bias is when you ask okay, a married couple, so you ask the wife, what percent of the housework do you do? The wives will say 90%. Then you go to the husbands and say, okay, what percent of the housework do you do? And the husbands will say 40%. Now, obviously, if you add that up, it's 130%, but that's their perception. So be very careful of that perception bias because it'll skew the way you, you see the situation. You have to go into an influence situation as neutral. You can't bring all this baggage, what's happened in the past, or your attitude, or what happened next week, or the phone call before, or the presentation before. You have to go in neutral. So that's self-perception bias. The next one is attention spans. Now there's two types here. There's focused attention span and sustained attention spans. Now I don't know if you've seen the movie Up. It was a Disney Pixar movie. They had talking dogs in this movie where they had a little collar and it translated what they were saying. I don't know if you remember the movie or not, but a number of times throughout the movies, these dogs were talking and all of a sudden they're like, squirrel, right in the middle of the conversation. They'd come back, they'd talk, like, squirrel. <laughs> and that's my favorite part of the movie because that's what your prospect is. Oh, something happens, something moves, something rings, something dings. They're all over the place. Because when you look at attention span, when people are just there in a neutral situation, they say it's about eight seconds that people can focus and something else happens. Eight seconds. Now, a sustained attention span, if you really try to focus, if you really try to maintain your attention, you might get 20 minutes, and that's at the high end. It's probably going to be around 13 minutes. So what does that mean? Well, just because they look at their watch doesn't mean a lot. See, oh, you're like, oh, no, they look at their watch, or they looked at the screen, they looked outside the window, they did this, they looked down. No, they have short attention spans. They will be distracted. Squirrel, right? <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> and you can't let that bother you. A lot of times you think, well, they're not listening, this is not happening, they're, they're looking bored. What if they was a lull in the presentation, or they had a big lunch, or there was a high temperature in the room, or maybe you're vomiting on them all the features and benefits, you're losing them. It's you. So what you need to do, if you think you're losing somebody's attention, what you should do is ask a question, come in with the story. That'll help you bring them back. So just because you don't think they're listening, it's not a time to run away or speed up your presentation. That's a big challenge for a lot of people. Attention spans all time long. Eight seconds. And if they're really trying, it's not going to be much higher than that. Squirrel, remember that. Just remember that because that's what they're doing. Everything's going to distract and That's how most people are. Now, as you go up the success ladder, the more successful people are, the more they can focus and concentrate. But that's a whole other lesson. Another one you have to be very careful of is nonverbal behavior. 
Now the key here is just because, like I mentioned, they look at their watch, doesn't mean they're bored. And to me, oh no, they looked at their watch and they speed up their presentation, they don't try anymore, they're going through the motions, they're not interested. Maybe they just wanted to know the time. Or they glance at the computer because it dinged at them. Or they're playing with their cell phone. Or they looked out the window. Or their feet, feet are on their desk. Oh, their feet are on the desk. I heard that means they're, they're too comfortable, they're not interested. What if they didn't laugh at your joke? Well, maybe it wasn't funny. Maybe they're not the type of person that, that will laugh. Maybe they refuse to shake your hand. Oh, yeah, they don't like me. No, maybe they're a germaphobe. Well, they spit on me. Well, that'd probably be one that would tell you it's time to leave. <laughs> we won't go into that one. Or their hands are behind their head. Oh, yeah, they're definitely not interested. The key here with nonverbal behavior is you're looking for clusters. Now, if all of these things happen, that would be a cluster of things that you're probably time to leave. But if only one happens, it probably doesn't dictate it's time to sabotage yourself. So with nonverbal behavior, you really have to learn to read people. Top persuaders really know how to read people. For example, when people are interested, you'll notice that they lean forward and their eyes sparkle and their head starts to nod. Their voice will sound a little more interested and their responses get a lot easier. That's, that's important to know. So when you see three or four of these, you know they're interested. Now on the flip side, when people are rejecting you, you get really short answers, their eyes turn cold or they might be drifting, their arms will fold, their lips might tighten, their voice might sound flat, they might be standing back a little bit more. That's why it's so important to read people. My message here is just because they did one thing or looked at that watch or picked up the computer mouse or any of those things, big deal. Don't let that hurt your presentation. Don't let that create a no in your mind. Because if you think there's a no in your mind, then that changes your presentation, it changes your demeanor, it changes how you act, and it changes how you treat them. It all comes down to expectations, whether positive or negative. What are your expectations when you go into a situation? Oh, they're not going to buy, they won't be interested, they'll say no, they're the type of person that, and fill in the blank. Expectations influence reality. That's just how it is. Oh, what if they take advantage of me? And, you know, people dress like that, they usually don't have any money. And I've talked to people like that before. And a big one, well, they're really successful. They're millionaires. And, wow, they might be really hard to persuade. Well, let me just tell you that millionaires are easier to persuade than the average person. The average person tends to resist you a lot more. Oh, what if they try to persuade me? And we all need to be persuaded here and there. Millionaires, a lot of the times, will say, okay, persuade me. They'll actually say it. Sell me. Persuade me. Come on, give me the pros and cons. Come on, give me your best shot. And it's a whole different scenario, but sometimes we get so stuck in what's going on. The biggest factor here is that we tend to prejudge. The moment you prejudge who the decision maker is, the moment you prejudge that may or may not be interested, it changes your presentation. I could tell you so many horror stories if somebody prejudged they wouldn't be interested. Now, you might be right half the time, but the other half the time, it sucks the life out of your presentation you act differently, and of course you're not going to persuade them. Everybody you meet can do business with you or know somebody that can. Everybody you meet can teach you something. Don't prejudge. Watch your expectation. People are like, oh, they picked up the phone. They must not be interested. Or, oh, their answers are really short. Well, they must not be interested. No, maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe they're analytical. Maybe that's a personality. Oh, they said I only have 10 minutes. That must mean they've already decided. 
Oh, no, the secretary interrupted. They must be the type of person that has their secretary interrupt after five minutes so they can get out of the presentation. Oh, they're not that sharp. Or, oh, every time they have that objection, I can't persuade them. That's all expectations. You have to be very careful. Expectations influence reality. Now, your expectations can be communicated through your gestures, your body movements, eye contact, the way you ask questions, the way you talk to them. I mean, those are our expectations. That's where they come from. Be very careful. There's countless studies that have been done on, on expectations and how they influence reality. We see it time and time again, especially in the school system. We all have stories about teachers who brought us up to the next level and teachers that pulled us down. One interesting study was done with uh, students, elementary school students, and they all handed out hard candy with wrappers to all the students. And they unwrapped them, and most of them threw the wrappers on the floor. That's what elementary school kids do. And they counted the wrappers. But over the coming weeks, what happened? The teacher would say, here's your managing expectations. You're the cleanest class I've ever had. Thanks for being so clean. And she'd mention something every day. Vice principal came in and said, hey, I heard you're the cleanest class in the whole school. Janitor writes on the board, thanks for being such a clean class. A couple weeks later, they hand out some hard candy again, and they counted them. Big difference as far as the number that went into the trash can. So it's not only your expectations, but their expectations, and you need to manage those. Because the moment you prejudge them, you know, it will suck the life out of your presentation. Other interesting studies we've seen. There was a study done by Professor Rosenthal. He was a professor at Harvard. And he told his students that he had developed a breed of rats that could run mazes very quickly. And he told the other half of the students that they would get normal rats. So half the students would get the very fast rats, the smart rats, and the other half would get the not-so-smart rats or the normal rats, and they would have them go through these mazes. Now, what the students did not know is that they were the same rats. But for some reason, the smart, fast rats got better times, even though they were the same rats. We know that wiping your feet on a doormat increases the expectations if you go into a home, increases the chances. If you hand somebody a pen with a contract or an agreement, it increases the chances that you're going to do that. That's all part of expectations. There's even first impression expectations. Have you ever noticed how people you assume are going to be jerks turn out to be that way? And if there's someone that you're excited to meet, you treat them differently? See, often our assumptions and expectations about someone we're about to meet for the first time play out exactly as we've already mentally conceived them. So once again, even when they're first meeting with someone, you're sending out these subconscious messages about how they should respond and behave to you. Another one was really interesting, an experiment. Actually, this was an accident. There was a coupon they sent out, and there was a printing error on this coupon that actually made it more expensive. It was for a tire, for a tire coupon. So when you use the coupon, it actually made it more expensive. So there was a mistake. That's not what they wanted. But they had been doing this coupon for years. Now, all of a sudden, there was a mistake. It would cost people more. They had the same response rate because the expectation is you get a coupon, you save money. So really take a look at your expectations and what is happening during your presentations. Do not sabotage yourself. Do not negotiate with yourself. Do not put the no in their mind. Just because you see one or two of these things doesn't mean they're not interested. That's why I want you to work on this week, something very important, is I want you to assume the best. Now, I know 
there's good side of assumption and bad side of assumption. But here, assume the best. Assume they're going to be interested and they want to know more and they're going to answer your questions and they're going to be interested. That changes your demeanor and how you act. And look for clusters just because they look at their watch or look at their email or the secretary interrupts or something strange happens or they just keep looking out the window does not mean they're not interested. But if they're doing all of those, well, now you've seen a cluster and it might be time to ask a question to gauge their interest and move on and manage your expectations. When we look at top persuaders, they are more optimistic. They see a brighter picture. Optimists live longer. They make more money. They have more friends versus pessimists. And I know it's easy to be pessimistic times, but if you go into a presentation, pessimistic, talk to someone over the phone, pessimistic, that goes through the phone, that goes through your presentation, that triggers subconscious triggers, and that creates the no many times. That causes them to resist, and a lot of times you're creating that resistance for them. You're giving it to them, and that is not what we want in the world of influence and persuasion. So this time, what I want you to do is assume the best, be optimistic, manage your expectations, and go throughout the presentation, look for those clusters, and if you see four or five, then it's time to gauge their interest and either stick around or move on. That way it will save you time, but that way you're not creating the no. Master this, and you'll see a big difference in your ability to read people and influence with power. Thanks for listening to that. That's the Illusion of Resistance. That's available on universityofpersuasion.com. Again, congratulations to Steve Olson with the new baby and the bigger family and the, maybe even the bigger headaches, but I guess that also brings bigger joy. So, again, congratulations. Thanks for listening today. We will be back next week with our regular scheduled podcast. Steve Olson will be here. Thanks for listening and go out and persuade with power.